0: Hello, and welcome back to the e-commerce Maven podcast. This is our season premiere. I think it's season six. I got to check that out. Uh, but I'll be giving you a brief update on what's been going on in the past year or so when the podcast has been on a hiatus um, and give you some quick tips for turning around your eCom business if you're really struggling in 2023, which many brands are. So let's get into it. Hey, hey, it's your host, Christy Sumer, the founder and CEO of the Ethical Fashion Brand Encircled and host of the eCommerce Maven podcast. Hello and welcome back. It's been 10 months since our last episode of eCommerce Maven podcast. So um, thank you for sticking with us. If you haven't unsubscribed, uh, that's major. This podcast has been going on for a while. I I think it's season six, but I'm not actually... sure on that one. Um, I'd have to do a little bit of backwards math, but we've been going on for a while. It originally started, for those of you that know, as more of like a YouTube-y kind of situation and migrated to the podcast, but um, it's been been a hot minute since I've been on, so I apologize for that, Um, but I will give a brief update on what's been going on and why that happened and all that stuff. Um, So first off, Um, happy 2023. (laughs) It's March at time of recording. So, uh, we're almost a full, well, I guess we're starting our third month into the year. So hopefully you're doing well. Um, I know it's been a struggle over the last year or so for many e-commerce brands. And I just want to start off by saying that if you are feeling that struggle, you are not alone. This is not a, uh, specific, struggle to you. This is a general struggle the e-commerce industry. There's not too many brands I know that are doing really well right now, effortlessly, to be honest. So if you're feeling that crunch, it's okay. <laughs> you you will be okay. Um, but I'm, I'm intending this episode really to be kind of a overview of what's happened and some things I'm starting to think about. Of course, I don't have all the answers. I, I mean, I'm not. Hopefully, I have some of them for you to help you. But uh, based on my experience of being in the e-commerce industry for ten years uh, now, which is wild, uh, I have learned quite a few things. So. Um, And I just want to say thank you, by the way, for listening to our last episode, the most underrated marketing channel that had our most downloads. So uh, thank you. That is amazing. I love that. Um, And I hope to create more content uh, about this and help you out. So uh, let's get into the episode. This one's going to be a relatively short one, but I want to talk a little bit more about e-commerce and business. And I'll start off with where I've been. So 10 months ago, um, so that was, I guess I stopped recording in around May. It's actually a miracle that I was recording at all in 2022, uh, but I will get into that a little bit as well. So for all of us who have experienced burnout at some point or another in their career, that was definitely what I was experiencing in the last probably year or two, um, combined with having some fairly serious health issues which weren't able to be diagnosed. So some of you may have read a little bit about this on my Instagram. I'm Instagram at Christy Sumer if you want to follow me and I'll give you a follow back. But I had a unknown source of a vestibular injury in 2021. Um, I will start this off and say that I'm fully here for health and wellness and i i really embrace health and wellness but i've always been you know somebody to get their regular you know vaccinations and stuff like that and i do not want to turn this into any sort of podcast around that um but in june july 2021 um i had a major vertigo attack Uh, if you've ever had vertigo it's basically where the room starts spinning so i had gotten up from work um, and everything started spinning almost like it was like, I was drunk almost. Um, and you've just like had a few too many. And I had, I started to panic. I was like, I don't know what's going on here. This is really crazy. Um, the room was literally moving. I felt nauseous. I had to lie down. Uh, I called like, uh, a medical kind of like helpline and they're like, if it doesn't go away in a few hours, maybe go to the ER. And so I had some ginger ale and just lay down. And as I was lying down, I still felt like the room was spinning, which was so trippy. And then maybe a few hours later, I felt a bit better. But after that moment, I never really felt the same. So uh, I struggled for the next, I would say, close to two years, like year and a half with balance. So what ended up happening, long story short, after seeing, I don't know, 14 doctors and to vestibular physiotherapists and acupuncturists and all kinds of alternative health practitioners and spending god knows how much money uh, mris cat scans all the things er visits everything everything um i feel very blessed to have healthcare in canada i know a lot of people rag on healthcare in canada but um i feel very blessed to have had it in my corner Um, And they figured out sometime in around fall 2021 that I had a nerve injury to my vestibular nerve, which controls your balance. So if you imagine, you know, your balance is determined by that nerve, your eyes, proprioception, um, your ears to a certain extent, and mine was damaged on one side. Um, So I only had like, I think 40% usage of it. So when I was walking, it felt like I was always being pulled to one side um, you know, I always felt like I was going to tip over. It was really unsettling. Nobody really knows why it happened. Um, there were a few things going around the time that it happened. Um, generally, vestibular injury is caused by a virus. So um, I was doing some treatment on my gut um, protocols. I'd also had uh, the latest vaccination. I had also gotten Botox a few weeks before that. Uh, It's possible I even maybe myself had COVID and I didn't know it. Um, Who knows? Nobody will ever know. Um, But suffice it to say, this is what happened. And um, yeah, so, you know, I ended up getting MRIs and went through this whole thing trying to figure out what it is. And if you've ever had a vestibular or dizziness issue or imbalance issue, uh, you will know that it is a process of elimination. And I myself am already a bit of a hypochondriac. So, going through this process was really stressful for me. So I just decided I needed to drop off stuff. So the podcast was one of them. I couldn't look at screens. Uh, Screens made me nauseous. Uh, Video made me nauseous. And I really had to try and like call my work hours a little bit. I was working, you know, up until that point, you know, the pandemic had been really hard and (laughs) we're working maybe 60 to 80 hours a week. Um, and I had to cut back to like forty hours a week, which I know sounds like a normal work week, but that's hard. <laughs> um, so that was one of the things that happened. So the podcast, unfortunately, was one of the first things to go, uh, just because I pretty much just do this for fun. I don't earn any money off of it. I know it helps a lot of people, which I love, but it was just causing too much stress having to like even figure out what to record, and my brain was just not in the right place. So. Fast forward, um, I was very lucky to get into see some specialists and got some more specialized testing done in and around um, May last year. And they confirmed that actually I had healed my vestibular nerve injury and I was left with something called PPPD, which is basically a brain injury where my body still thinks I'm dizzy, but I'm not, um, and triggers panic attacks and stuff like that. So I spent most of the last, like, kind of I guess 6 months calming my nervous system and working on my brain and healing um and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it's been a wild ride. I don't know how I worked through this, but I did. And I think anyone who's had health issues um you know, you kind of just become you push through them and you do what you need to do to get through it. And that's kind of where I was at. I mean, unfortunately through that process, I think you know, I um I struggled in my business quite a bit uh, with growth because I couldn't fully be in it. And um, I struggled with friendships too, I would say, because I just, I couldn't put as much effort into friendships that I wanted to because I never knew how I was gonna feel when I woke up in the morning. And I feel like some people are more sensitive to that than others and others take it very personally. Um, And for anybody who's had any sort of chronic or long-term health issue, you'll know that it's just, you know, some people are really supportive and other people just get tired of it. Like they're tired of hearing about it and they don't want to like ask you how you are again just to hear that you're the same. And I and I get it, but, um, you know, as you get older, life is hard, it's ups and downs, It's, um, people are going to get sick. And um, that lack of empathy, I think, broke a lot of friendships for me during that time as well. So it's been like a re resetting time for me and definitely a time where i've had to reevaluate what i'm doing and how i'm doing things and how i want my business to look going forward so all that said that was a bit of a diatribe there but i wanted to give you kind of like the overview of what i was experiencing and how i dealt with it and maybe if you know somebody who's dealt with something similar you know you can dm me i can provide you with more resources and stuff like that but um all that to say that I'm back. <laughs> I'm feeling pretty good. I mean, not every day is great. I've I've been definitely left with health anxiety, which is its own beast to battle, but um, you know, in general I'm doing like 95% better and 99% on a good day. So, I feel very grateful and lucky for that. Um, and yeah, so here I am. So, I'm back. It's 2023. Um, 2022 um, you know it was a bit of a down year for my e-commerce business to be honest as i mentioned wasn't really in the business as much as i wanted to be and um we really struggled over at my business with traffic and conversion and paid traffic going up and costs and product development and all all that kind of stuff um it was really really hard so yeah i think that year, for a lot of brands that I talked to, was a resetting year because all the factors were starting to converge in 2022. Organic reach dropped like a stone on Instagram. Um, TikTok continued to grow, but not everybody has their market on TikTok. Um, you know, the cost of paid ads went up about 30% year over year, which means some brands can't afford to do paid advertising. So, and I've started to see many brands shut down in the last like three months. There's been at least four or five brands I know in my space that have closed down, Um, whether that's burnout or just running out of cash, all those things. Like it's been tight for sure from a cash flow perspective. So, I thought I would use today's episode just to go through some things that I'm thinking about and give you some actionable strategies to um, figure out ways to turn around your business if you are struggling. Because I think there's so much you can do. And I just want to kind of advocate for you that there's a lot of options out there, even when you feel like there might be none. Um, Because maybe you have restraints in capital or something like that. Um, So let's get into it. So 2023. 2023. What is the lay of the land? Well, January and February were shit. Hopefully you have no children listening to this podcast, but um, for a lot of brands were really crappy, especially if you focus on the Canadian market because recession fears were everywhere and people were not buying um, full price and everybody was on sale. So I don't know if you noticed this, but never have I ever seen so many brands going like 80% off, 60% off, 70% off, like crazy. And I mean myself as brand because we had no products launching, we had to do some discounting too, which I do not like doing. But that's lesson number one. Lesson number one is you gotta do what you gotta do. So if you need cash flow and you need sales in your business and you're really struggling with conversion on your emails or social posts, you probably need to do a sale because if you're carrying too much inventory, it's going to be the death of your business. And as we're switching seasons in North America from winter to spring, you know, by time of listening to this episode, you should be doing that winter clear out to get that merch out because soon that selling season will be over and not even discounted merch will move. So the ideal flow in an e-commerce brand is that you're kind of continuously moving out the slow moving obsolete inventory that you have. So whether you're selling fashion or jewelry or even like, um, let's say like skincare or deodorant that's like holiday themed or, um, you know, maybe you've launched like a coffee that's like gingerbread flavored, like you need to be marking this stuff down now. Um, Ideally, you start marking it down in Feb. Uh, But if you haven't already, now is the time to do like a winter clear out. So like a sale on sale is a great one to run through email and social Um, or do some strategically placed flash sales if you have the inventory, or maybe you just have like one SKU which you really need to move. You could do like a 48 or 72 hour flash sale on it. Um, I love a 24 hour flash sale, but I find like it's just a little bit more effective when you give people like a bit more time to shop. Um, That's, then you can have more social posts, more emails, all that kind of stuff. So number one learning is if you are struggling with sales right now, Do a sale and don't feel bad about it because there's a lot of brands out there. um, I follow some of them on Instagram that are really anti-sale promotion. However, um, as a business, you need cash. And if you're not having cash, you cannot just like let your business die on the morals that you don't feel like a sale is ethical. Like I literally laughed out loud the other day because I saw a post from this brand. I'm not going to name them who said like, uh just say no to sales shop sustainably and then in the bottom it said p.s we're having 30 percent off (laughs) and i was like okay well what the heck is that even about so so do a sale that is a quick win a very quick win and if you're scared of doing a sale to your full email list you can always segment a really great segment for sales is um creating a segment in Klaviyo or Omnisand or whatever platform you're using for people who only buy on sale. Um, That way you're not like diluting your list and you're really talking to people who already purchased. So that's a great one. Um, Number two, content. So if you don't have a content strategy right now, you need to make one because it is uh, that time where if you're not putting good content on organic social, you pretty much might as well not be doing that. Um, and I will say I kicked the can around on organic social for a really long time. I've had people in-house, I've had f- agencies, I've had freelancers, and I think I finally landed on like the best situation, at least for our brand, by hiring a freelancer who's really strong on video and takes a lot of initiative to come up with ideas and stuff like that. I know for a lot of e-commerce brands, we all want to outsource content because a lot of us aren't content creators. Many content creators start as content creators and then go into e-commerce. But for the large majority of people who listen to my podcast, I know you guys are all e-commerce brands first, and now you're like having to create content. So that can be difficult in itself because it's just hard to pivot to that and the platforms, um, you know, like TikTok requires you to do some acting or dancing or something like that. And, you know, Instagram requires like lots of editing and styling. And that if that's not your jam, that is not your jam. So you need to figure out a way to zero in on that channel, whatever primary channel is your big traffic driver, conversion channel, and organic social, and do it differently so that it works for your business. Because doing the same thing over and over again is just insanity, as they say. So, for me, uh, last year, you know, we had, uh, I think we had an agency, then we had a freelancer, then we had me running social, then we had somebody in house, and then we had somebody freelance, and it was just a mess. Having an agency was probably the worst. Our reach just tanked. Um, Because here's the thing like, content on social, it actually doesn't matter what channel, but it has to be timely and relevant. And video content is still doing really well on most platforms, so if you can't, if you hire an agency to do posting and scheduling and strategy, that's great, but then somebody's still gonna have to make that content and that problem is not gonna go away and it's probably gonna be you. And you don't wanna do that, so you need somebody who's gonna do everything, which is a hard unicorn ask, but they are out there. So a couple of ideas, um, you know, timely, I had like uh, a freelancer reach out to me who worked with me before she did some modeling and uh, worked at a pop-up shop and she's an actor and she reached out and she wanted to do our social. And I was like, Oh my gosh, yes, I'm looking for somebody to do our social. This is amazing. Um, so she's been on board with us for just over a month and a bit. Um, and she's great. She does all the editing videos. She sits in on our marketing meetings, picks up content. Um, she's in a lot of the videos And she's very multi-talented. So she's been a huge addition to the team. And I'm already thinking about how I can find more people like her to take on other channels because I just think the better content you put out there, the more engagement you're gonna get. And right now you can't just throw up like an image post and hope to go viral on Instagram. It's just not gonna happen. So a lot of it is testing and learning and taking those insights and building them in. So we've seen a lot of success with increasing our reach with reels, um, as well as replies on reels on Instagram, um, and seen some reach that I haven't seen before on Instagram, which is really nice to see. So looking at activating that on other channels, but again, it's about having a very specific, um, strategy around it and paying very close attention to the insights, which a lot of people do not do. Um... So that's my second piece of advice is like, figure out a social channel where your customer is and blow up your strategy and start again. Because if it's not working, it's not working. So don't keep doing it. Figure out something else, uh, whether that's finding a freelancer or hiring content creators, um, approaching maybe some influencers and hiring them to do content and run your channel. Uh, if it's not your core of genius, it's going to come through on the channel. And so I recommend finding somebody else to do it for you. Um, and you can figure out how to pay them like different ways, hourly flat rate. You could maybe if you're even like really strapped for cash, you can do some sort of rev share or affiliate model or something like that. Uh, there's lots of ways to figure it out. Okay. Number three, um, email, email. So email is still the best channel for generating sales and e-commerce. Uh, hence why I have an email course, um, and. I definitely feel like if you're not doing email um, at least once a week, you are missing out. Um, the easiest way to get more sales is send more emails. The one thing you need to pay attention to is um, your unsubscribe rate. So how you mitigate that and how you make sure that is low is by segmenting. So making sure you're segmenting your list, and this is why Clavio is such a good software, um, full disclosure, I am a partner of Clavio, um, but OmniSend is also very comparable because you can get into the data and start to do some segments. So you can send it to your VIPs, you can send it to people who haven't shopped in a long time, you can send it to people who have a specific item in their closet. Like doing more and more segmentation, like ideally, I want to see people who are, have a list of like 5,000 and above sending out at least two emails a week um, to their list. And that can be a quick win just to get you know, a couple more thousand sales here and there and the other thing. So that's definitely something I want you to focus on if you're not already, because email is still a great channel to use. And then the second part of that is growing your email list. So trying to focus everything on growing it, uh, whether it's giveaways or collaborations you're doing or building um, teasers for wait lists for products coming, like drive everything to your email list. That is the goal. Um, so that is my third tip. My fourth tip for turning around a dark 2023 is to reevaluate your expenses. So, um, two main buckets of expenses. I look at your cost of goods sold, however you calculate that with your accountant. So that's basically typically the variable cost to make your product. Um, and the second one is operating expenses. So everything else essentially, So cost of goods sold, Um, can you renegotiate costs with suppliers? Can you uh, find a new supplier? Can you move your production? Can you change fabric suppliers or change raw material suppliers? Or can you um, buy more in bulk? Like starting to explore all these options because in the last like few years as inflation has gone up, so has raw materials costs for most brands. Um, And it's just something that you know you can do price increases which i'm a huge advocate for so if you haven't done a price increase in the last three years this is your sign to do a price increase (laughs) you absolutely need to do one um and i promise you that most people won't even notice if you do it but that's an aside Um, the other big bucket of costs is your operating expenses so now is a good time to be as lean as possible You know, at one point in the last three years, I had 21 or 22 employees, including interns, and we pay our interns. They're not free. Um, And my God, that was a big company. Um, And it was a lot of work to run that company and it wasn't fun. And quite honestly, um, although I think, you know, a lot of those employees had uh, value as employees, um, maybe they weren't the right fit for the scale of business that we were at and taking them out. I now have six, five, five or six full-time employees. Um, the revenue isn't that different. So I'm a big fan of figuring out your, you know, cost, you know, your revenue per employee. Um, I definitely think you want above a hundred thousand per employee. Um, so if you're doing, you know, let's say uh, f- half a million dollars a year, and you have five employees, that's a hundred thousand an employee. I think you want to aim to be probably closer to two. Um, so, if you're doing five hundred thousand in revenue, you probably have two full time employees plus a part time employee. Uh, you can also use contractors and freelancers for sure, but full time employees are very expensive. Um, I'm, I've i always been a fan of having employees over freelancers. I've operated like that for a long time, but I'm starting to shift my mindset around it for a few reasons. Number one, it's hard to find digital talent. Uh, number two, it's hard to find people who are talented. They want to work full time. Um, and number three, the cost of employees has gone up. So, you know, if you're having people... There used to be a little bit of arbitrage there where you could get somebody who was, you know, more junior, but like willing to work. And, you know, you're going to pay them a little bit less, but you're going to train them and then grow with the company. Now the expectations on incoming salaries are so high. It doesn't make sense to train that person, (laughs) to be honest. Like they can go train at like, you know, I don't know, the Bay or like I'm trying to think of a U.S. brand for all my U.S., um, like Ulta Beauty, they can go train there and then come work for me, but I'm not gonna train people at that rate. Like it's just too expensive for a small business and too much onboarding. So it's better to hire somebody, pay a little bit more as a freelancer and have them actually do the job and know what they're doing. Um, The trick is really just finding those freelancers that are qualified and that is the hard part because so many people think they're so good at things and they are not. So the best way to work around that is getting referrals I got my fractional CFO, COO through a referral, amazing hire. Um, I have a fractional growth marketer right now, also referral, really great fractional hire as well. So I've just found that like those databases like Fiverr and Upwork and, and stuff like that are okay, but you really have to sift through people and be ready to test them on their skills. And if you don't have knowledge in that area, that can be really dangerous. So if you, let's say you're trying to hire somebody for Facebook ads, but you don't know how to run Facebook ads, it's really hard to do that through like a cold advertising ad because you don't know if they're good or not. Um, and people are very good at like posturing themselves as being good. And then if you ask the right questions, you're like, this is not good. So I recommend streamlining as much as possible. And that may require you to make some tough decisions. Maybe you need to like get out of a lease or split a lease, or maybe you need to get rid of some employees um, or redeploy them in some of their area of the business. But now is not the time to layer on more hires that are permanent full-time. Um, I definitely don't. Maybe in the back half of the year that that will be the play, but right now it is not the play. Um, the other kind of big variable cost, I guess, in that bucket of operating expenses is advertising. So I think getting more efficient with your ad dollars is going to be really important. So if you are running ads, um, you know, really spending time getting to know that channel and understanding, um, the attribution and how much you're spending and what it's actually getting you. It's so easy to manipulate those metrics. That's why I'm a huge fan of apps like triple whale. I'm not an affiliate by the way. Um that show you true attribution on paid ads. It is a very expensive tool, but if you're spending, you know, $10,000 a month on ads, you should be tracking it very closely because that's a lot of money. Um, so that's really a big area where you can optimize as well. Last thing, I think I'm on number five now. I didn't even make notes for this cause I'm feeling like such a rebel <laughs> in this one. Um, so the fifth thing you can do if you are having a tough 2023 is take a vacation, take a break, I know that sounds really counterintuitive and, you know, I took my first vacation in three years, like a true vacation in February, Um, but it was so replenishing. So sometimes when things are really shitty, you just need to step back and figure out how to reset and rebuild and have more objective look at the business. And oftentimes I find we're doing things and we think it's like a good thing to do just because we've been doing it for so long, but it's not actually moving the needle on anything. So I encourage you to look at that and see if there's anything in your business that you're doing and you're thinking, yeah, I must be doing this. This is making a big difference, but you don't even have the time to look at the analytics on it. So slow down to speed up is kind of my mantra. So slow down, look at the impact of every email, every post, and then you know, instead of just throwing something else back out there, like really craft the next post based on what you learned on the last one. And that means you have to slow down. And sometimes that means you have to completely stall your business to be able to come back and, you know, be more refreshed with it because nothing's worse than running a business when you're feeling either not good or burnt out or tired or sick. Like, you know, you're going to do your business a disservice or your employees. And I've definitely lived that experience as well. So, so yeah, those are my five tips for turning around a dark 2023. Hopefully you're listening to this and you're like, I don't need these, Christy. I am having a kick butt 2023. And if you are, high five, if you're still listening to this episode, definitely hit me up on Instagram. I'd love to hear what's working for you. Um, so I can do a little roundup and share that with um on the podcast next. Um, and yeah, if you if you are having trouble, like the biggest things, you know, cash is life and business. So um, figuring out ways to improve your cash flow, generating sales, reducing expenses. That is always the first starting point. When I used to be in a um, consultant, you know, that's what we would go in and do is look at those two pivot points. So it's really a lot simpler than you think it is. So anyways, wishing you well, thank you so much for joining me on this episode. I'm happy to be back and hopefully we'll be doing much more regular podcasts going forward at least once a week and we will see you next week. Okay. Take care.